Hello and welcome to another episode of Sideline Sketch. We are back after a bit of a hiatus to talk about all things Euros. We did the preview last time, that was fun. And well, things have panned out more or less quite quite differently to be fair. Teams that you would think would dominate didn't. Things that you thought would not fare as well have done quite well. And with me to discuss all things Euros so far and what's to come is my co-host Nathan Greenaway. Nathan, how are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I am well. So we're just going to do a quick round of questions and go through what's happened in the Euros so far. And yeah, let's get on with it. So Nathan, you can fire away with your first question. Uh well I don't I, I don't I don't have much prepared. There's not really much to talk about for from the Euros. I guess the the obvious thing from an England standpoint, which I'll get your opinion on as a non uh England fan, is the problem with Harry Kane at the moment. Uh obviously he's a little bit off form, but uh are England playing to his strengths, do you think? Or do you think Gareth is doing the right thing and kind of ignoring the Kane problem and just focusing on the overall picture and, and making sure England are more defensively solid than just playing around Harry Kane? Well, if you think about it, last time where there was a problem that the team was playing around Harry Kane a bit too much and that stifled the entire team. And now the problem is quite the opposite. Where the, I think... If you think about it, this England side has great players and it lacks a bit of cohesion, in my opinion. You have great players who are able to have moments of brilliance, but it isn't coming together as a complete unit. So when you mention someone like Harry Kane, I think the problem with a player like him in such a situation is in his club, you've seen him play a bit of a deeper role in the last season. And the teams that England have faced so far have been okay with letting go of possession and letting England try and break them down. And that's not something that works for someone like Harry Kane, who plays a bit deeper, who needs the, the opposition to come at him before he can get his play going. I don't see him as the guy who's going to control the game and run everything around him. I don't think that's his style. Because before he used to be this marksman and now he's changed his style a bit. So there is a bit of a diversity in what he can do on the, on the pitch. And it remains to be seen what style actually gets implemented. But so far it just feels like stylistically he isn't playing to his strengths. And that's why the team kind of feels a little lethargic at times because they have to play in the style which isn't really suited to them stylistically. And that's because of the opposition. Uh, I think you have certainly seen some teams that try and mark, like the Czech Republic tried to mark Kane out of the game. They're doubling up on him. They even said they were going to do that before the matchup in the press conference. The captain and the manager said well, they're gonna, they're, they were going to double up on Harry Kane, which kind of ended up being a little bit of their downfall because... All that meant was that Sterling had uh, all the space in the world to run into, and so did Saka, uh, who just ripped people apart. Saka, who I think has kind of played himself into starting contention against Germany. He was was really, really good the other night. 
And uh, but in my opinion, I think Gareth has done the right thing. You can't just play around Kane because then Kane has to be in form at all times. And also, he's focused on the one thing that everyone was complaining about before the before the Euros, which is that England didn't look defensively good enough, mm. especially when it looked like Harry uh, Harry Maguire might not be going. Yeah. And instead, we've not conceded a goal yet, so you can't you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, really, especially in tournament football, uh, as they said against Scotland, it didn't look like they were going to win the game, so instead they just didn't lose the game. <laughs> and uh, so they're going. That's what you can do in tournament football. It doesn't really matter how how you play, as long as you don't get knocked out. Who, who really cares? I think people are kind of looking at style a little bit too much. And uh, well, look at the example. Is um, the other example? I know they don't have the players on paper, the quality, but Scotland. Scotland played fantastic football in all three of their group games and it, they scored one goal the entire time in a 3-1 defeat and went went home packing at the bottom of the group. Well, So you kind of got contrast. But you can't really compare England to Scotland. I mean... I think you can because everyone praised Scotland for how they play. Well, it's not quite about how they play. It's about is f- it's quite it's about the quality of players you have. And England just have better players, and that matters. I mean, yeah, they play well, but let me tell you a little. Let me tell you a little secret about football hole that no one ever really talks about. When it comes to tournaments, the team that quote unquote plays the best very rarely wins the tournament. I mean, exactly. So like a Portugal with the last Euros. Yeah. Yeah. They were rubbish for most of <laughs> for most of the Euros. <laughs> they were actually, yeah. Greece when they won the Euros, they were they were crap throughout. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like no one, it doesn't really matter how you play. England go through without conceding a goal. But, but okay, let's talk about a team like Germany, who didn't play well themselves, right? Would England have gained any more points if they played beautiful football? No, that, that, it's not about that. It's about going further into competition. Now they're going to be going up against a team like Germany, who we have seen struggle, but we have also seen look very good. Why? Germany just Germany were just five minutes away from getting knocked out of the tournament to Hungary. Yeah, I get that. That's not the, that's not the point. The point is that stylistically, in my opinion, this matchup favours England. Because Germany, again, have their defensive fallacies. And in the last few games, they haven't looked organized at all at the back. But going forward, they are always a threat. And I think that's something that would play into the hands of England. Because England ultimately would have to drop back, will have Kane having to play the balls through to Raheem Sterling, to maybe a Jaden Sancho. Who knows if he plays? I doubt he does, but he should. Uh, but yeah, or maybe Saka. But I think a matchup against Germany may be more favorable to them. But so far, they haven't shown why they are some of the favorites to win the competition. They should be. And I don't think it's a point to kind of ignore that England have not conceded a goal. Yeah. They've rarely, other than the one shot from O'Donnell in the Scotland game, they haven't even really looked like conceding. Which I think is is a great footing to have, and it's something that because people only focus on attack, uh, which is just kind of weird when you look at the fact that again, the problem England had going into the tournament was the was the yeah. defence, and then people were moaning that Harry Maguire, who 
played he did play well the other night he looked good on the ball as he always does he was a commanding yeah, presence fair. at the back and England look would you take Maguire over Mings yes yeah I agree same and I don't think it's really a question I think the only question was would he look fit when he played and he did like he didn't have a whole lot to do uh, really I, th- I don't think that's being unfair on the checks and uh, like, they didn't really press him or test his fitness in any great way and uh, and he's just for for all the jokes about slaphead and everything he is a leader and he does marshal the back line that's why yeah people kind of although they take the mickey out of him at man united quite a bit when it comes to england everyone's like we well, has to be there um because he he kind of marshals the back line in a better way than tyro mings and john stones do uh, my great fear going into this match is that the reappearance of Kyle Walker at right centre half is going to appear. Oh, you know that's going to happen. You know that's going to happen. You know. I don't think. I think we look fine with a back four. I think if yeah. if we look at that back back four and go, hey, that we haven't conceded a goal. Harry Maguire's back. Now's the time to change your back three. <laughs> I'll be pretty annoyed. But again, I won't care as long as we win. And maybe that's just a me thing that. I'm not watching this for five-star entertainment. I'm watching to watch England win matches. I think if England are ever going to beat the Germans at a major tournament, it has to be now because Germany... We talk about England the entire time, but Germany have not looked good. They looked half-decent in the Portugal game. But yesterday against Hungary, they said they were five minutes away from going home. Yeah, Germ- and, yeah Germany just don't look organised at all at the back. And going up front, they can be a threat, but... Seeing how England have played, at least defensively, I think Germany may have a tough time breaking them down. And I think stylistically, for how how most of the players want to play in that game, I think it's advantage England. And I think stylistically, they are in the driver's seat. Yeah, you you think I think England have just looked a bit too calm and composed. Uh, at the moment, though, I don't yeah. think they've panicked, despite the fact they've not played. They didn't play great football in the first match, and that the players all over the pitch are there to score goals, and we will score goals. And everybody scored two, and people keep bringing it up, but yeah, I think they, the players are there, so we just got to stay a bit, bit calm, bit composed at the back. Germany don't look fantastic in attack. They don't really have a proper out-and-out striker. Uh, they look okay. The ball in the back of the net. They've got their own problems. So yeah, let's just expose yeah. them. Yeah, makes sense. It's gonna be fun to see how that game goes. So, on to my first question. Well, so far in the group stages, I think you can say certain teams have done great and so certain teams have underwhelmed. So my question is, which team has been the biggest surprise to you? I mean, you have Italy. I don't know if that's a surprise, but they have been incredible. Uh, you have you have Sweden who have done quite well. I think Spain have done really well. You then have teams like Netherlands who have just come out to play and they look great as well. Uh, I think Hungary also surprised quite a few teams with the way they were able to keep up. But and then you have the other side where you have teams like Turkey who just are really underwhelmed. Talked about the amount of people that said, "Oh, Turkey are dark horses." Neither of us, neither of us ever said that. So we're smart people. But what the fuck? <laughs> what did? Why did people look at that side and go, "They're yeah. gonna do this"? I think it was more of a Burke Yilmaz thing because of the season that he had. I think many people thought that 
maybe he could, you know, commandeer them to a decent season in the Euros, but it didn't quite happen. They were awful, yeah. and that didn't surprise me. I don't, I don't think we don't want to just come on this podcast and be like, well, we saw this coming, but. I did not think Turkey would put up the treasons to him. Yeah, I, th- I think even I kind of bought into the Baruch Yelmaz hype, but I didn't think the team would do that well. But yeah, so which team would you say was the most surprising in terms of how you thought they would do and how they actually did in the group stages? I think Sweden. Sweden have had a good tournament uh, so far. I think Lindelof has been a monster at the Fair. back for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when Zlatan pulled out, quote unquote injured. Yeah, true. Um, so I don't believe him. I think he came out of retirement for a publicity stunt, and then decided he didn't want to go. Really? It all happened so fast. Like he was like, "Oh, <laughs> Sweden, look, I'm I'm back. The lion is back." And then like two weeks later, he was like, "But I'm not going to the tournament." It's silly. I think yeah, Lindelof's had a great tournament. He got two man of the match awards so far. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, so he's doing well, uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go Wales. Mm, nice, good pick. I think they've had a great tournament with all the problems coming into the tournament with everything that's happened with Ryan Giggs, and uh, they've they fully stepped up to the mark. Aaron Ramsey, and uh, doesn't really get the plaudits in that Welsh team because it's mostly about Gareth Bale, um, but he's been phenomenal so far. I think Kiefer Moore up front has had a great tournament. He got busted open in <laughs> both of the first two games. So he put, he put putting his body on the line. Uh, Dan James has been phenomenal, I think, against Turkey. Especially, he was fantastic. And uh, he's just ripping him to shreds time and time again. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're having a really good tournament. And to get through to the last 16, they're facing Denmark and uh, who, which is going to be, it's going to be a tough matchup uh, for them. Denmark, who've done amazingly as well after everything that happened with Christian Eriksen. I mean, yeah, I mean that was horrible, and all my thoughts and prayers to Christian Eriksen and his family, and we wish them well, and we hope that they come out of this stronger and better. Yeah, he was uh, he was up and about the other day uh, from from the window, so he's a. Uh, He's doing well, and hopefully he'll be back. Uh, but I think it's two kind of surprise packages uh, there as well that Denmark managed to pull off getting through to the next round. So it's going to be a big mm-hmm. match. But for Wales, it's a winnable match. Yeah. And to Very follow true. up the semi-final run that they had uh, five years ago now, nearly said four, uh, with kind of another sort of quarter-final run would be just phenomenal for them. And they got a good team as well. Yeah, it's a decent they're, team. They're not bad. It's, there's not a lot of depth there, but there's a lot of quality in the, in the starting eleven when the best side's out. So, uh, yeah, I, I've, I'm back in Wales to get through as well. Yeah, they've had a decent group stage. There are times where they look kind of shoddy at the back, but, I mean, up front, they're, they're unorthodox, but they can really go for it, and I like that. Yeah, I just think... With with the passing of uh, of Aaron Ramsey, yeah. Denmark need to be careful because what's happened so far is that people have just pushed onto Wales so much, and then they get one they get one good ball out with the good good midfield. Look, Joe Allen as well; he can still swing a swing a <laughs> pass in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's actually having a good uh, good tournament as well. He's playing well, and 
they did they did the same thing. It's very predictable from Wales, but it works because they swing the ball out to Dan James, and even though sides are prepared for it, he's he's been too quick for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> it is it's crazy how quick he is. And then they get in there, they get the key from all Gareth Bale in the box, and it's working. It is. And as well that that second goal from Gareth not wasn't from Gareth Bale. It was um, is it Connor Robertson? I can't remember the guy's name, but when he just picked up the ball in the corner, everyone thought he was going to just keep it in the corner when they were one nil up, <laughs> sprint through the defense. Yeah, he just tore through that defense. They really wanted to keep the ball at the line, but Gareth Bale just drove through, and what a play, what a goal that he created himself. It really was, yeah. And I think uh, Ben Ben Davis as well, left back. I criticized him during one match. I can't remember which one now, but he's he came. Came back around, and they they played really well against Italy. They were yeah, down to ten men true. for most of the match, but they still they only went down one nil. They did. Good performance from Wales. Um, my pick for this one would be Spain. I think everyone thought that they would be a decent side. They felt kind of experimental with so many new faces coming in, and the old guard kind of giving way to these new players. But what's most surprising about them is how relentless they are in attack and defensively solid at the same time. I mean, you have sides like Italy who are, you know, created set pieces and defensively just like a rock. But they have done so for a while. And this Spain side is so young. And as is Italy. But this Spain side, I didn't expect this going into the tournament. I thought that they would be figuring out what works for the team, what works for the long term. But they have really hit a stride. Offensively, they look great. Laporte is great. Uh, up front, you have Ferran Torres. Morata is decent-ish with his hold-up play. You know, he creates space for other players. Uh, Busquets is proving to be quite crucial to that team, you know, being that midfield rock to this day. And this almost interesting concoction of, you know, youth and experience it's it's a thing that's common in quite a few sides now who are trying to experiment and see how long-term they can set up. But for this Spain side, I thought that they would be one of the weaker ones when it comes to teams of those categories, but they are doing incredibly well. Yeah, and I think, I think we said it in our preview podcast that at some point you've got to move on from those players that aren't going to be there. So yeah. the player, I think we said that about Sergio Ramos in the last one, who was the guy who got dropped out. And part of it, I I don't doubt one hundred percent was down to fitness because he'd hardly been, he'd he'd only played really mm. about a third of last season. Uh, when you when you look at the games that he missed, but the quality on the pitch still is so good, and I think Pedri has been unbelievable. It's tough to kind of realise that he's only eighteen, and he's had a great season. And mm-hmm. uh, even like Morata. <laughs> who's missed about a million chances, but he's still playing his role well in holding yeah. up the ball and getting getting yeah. players like um like Jared Moreno and those guys into the game. So he's he's doing what Ferran Torres as well has been unbelievable. Uh he was a signing that City made from Valencia that a lot of people questioned the price tag. And mm-hmm. uh including me, and I think he's absolutely proven people wrong. Yeah. Uh he's he's been really good when he's come in. And yeah, uh, uh, I'm Eric has been has been kind of a rock at the back 
when Ramos mm-hmm. hasn't been there. So yeah. it's a good side. It's it's very, very young, as are a lot of the sides that we've just spoken about with the Netherlands, with England even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and the Scotland side, like their average age for the starting level, I think just under 25 for one game. Jeez. Like, there's a lot of youth at this tournament. There's a lot of very good young players. Uh, but Spain, yeah, they can they can certainly make a deep run. Croatia, it's just you just can't let Modric have time on the ball. I mean, Luka Modric, at this age, you know, all balling out and showing his work rate is immense. Yeah, we talk about like the young players that are here, but also yeah, Luka Modric, Ronaldo as well for Portugal, breaking all sorts of records this time. I think he's got the most goals at World Cups and Euros now. <laughs> Uh, Luka Modric who now has the record of being Croatia's youngest ever scorer and their oldest ever scorer at a major tournament yeah that's mad which is just absolutely mm-hmm. stunning but uh, yeah he's they, they've got to get someone on onto Modric to press the ball because otherwise he's probably going to run the show against this Spanish midfield but you think they, you think Busquets is the answer to hold him off maybe like, you don't really know what you do or do you, do you try and get someone just on there to man mark him maybe like, I think with the Croatia side like, once you stop Modric really you stop most of the threat so if they can get someone to man mark him and maybe that's the answer but there's so much there's a, quite a bit more quality on the Spanish side yeah. especially in wide positions than the Croatian side so they should have enough they just, just, just Maratta stop shooting <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's good at a hold up play, I guess. So he's a good player, but he cannot put the ball in the back of the net. And I know he scored a couple of goals, I think, but they've been they've been real tappings. <laughs> yeah, but I think the setup to those goals, I think, has been quite decent in in quite a few cases. So I don't know. some of it's just been accidents. <laughs> <laughs> you saw that own goal by Dubravka. Yeah, he had a, he had a nightmare. He had a real, real <laughs> yeah. problem. Uh, that, was that, was, that was disastrous. That was bad. Slovakia yeah. hadn't even been that bad. <laughs> like, for the tournament, <laughs> they went they went down in a pretty for real way yesterday. They did not cop yeah. themselves in any glory. Yeah. Shout out to Lewandowski, though. I mean, that team was giving him no service. And him carrying them and getting those goals and trying to will them on was incredible. Yeah, he... He really dragged them back into it uh, yesterday, and then they threw they threw the match away immediately, but yeah. <laughs> literally immediately. Uh, he he had an okay tournament. Yeah. Poland did not. Yeah, I like him. You like him? Oh, that's weird. Yeah. I wonder why, <laughs> right? Uh, but yeah, shout out Lewandowski. He's not gonna get that contract apparently. Please don't. Please let that be false. They will. When they realise they're not going to sign Haaland. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, I, I don't know. That's really delusional if they think they can. But, yeah. So, you can go ahead with your next question, Nathan. Uh, for... Trying to trying to think of a question. I didn't really have... I just say, we, we prepared this podcast very last second. So, I don't really have questions lined up. Uh, so, I mean, there's just a few talking points uh, from this, there's been a lot of own goals at this tournament. Own goal is currently winning the golden boot. <laughs> <laughs> there's been a lot of penalties uh, 
at this Euro so far. There was two for Ronaldo yesterday. He slotted both away. Uh, the Copa America is going on. Did you want to talk about the Copa America at all? Oh, yeah, sure. Let's go. Yeah, yeah Brazil, Brazil are playing well. Argentina continue to kind of splutter. I don't, I don't think Argentina are playing that well. I think they're playing okay. I like the way they're playing. It's fine. Well, I wonder it's always weird at the Copa America. And again, this is a talking point of the question. Is Paraguay always suddenly appear as a really good side? <laughs> but they never do anything at any World Cups or anything. Yeah, they, they feel like a Copa America side who just do what they do in a decent small bubble, I guess. They're always really good, right? But it's yeah. not just me. It's yeah, okay. Suddenly the Copa America comes around and it's like, oh, Paraguay are good. And then it gets to the World Cup and they probably haven't qualified. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually an interesting point. I think this time they're doing okay. Uh, I think Uruguay are really... They're doing they're fine. I think Uruguay are doing really bad, though. Yeah, they don't have a very good side of it. Yeah. Uh, Uruguay aren't doing, doing too well. Uh, Ecuador as well. Did you see that goal yesterday against Brazil? Nah. Oh, so good. Check it out. It's a really, really good goal. Uh, it's a cracking volley. Mm, interesting. You think Argentina take it this time? You think Messi finally ends his drought? No, I think Brazil will win. <laughs> Gee, gosh. Yeah, it's hard to look past. It's hard to look past Brazil. Like props to Neymar, he's actually there. <laughs> just props, <laughs> props to him for showing up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just looked at the Brazil. I saw the Brazil score because the Copa America matches are on at insane times here. Uh, yeah. So you just wake up and look at the results and. To see Neymar in a lineup, I'm like, oh, fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, timings are mad. Like, I think the last game was like right after the Germany game. So, yeah, it's just too late. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Brazil do. I guess. Company Fred is actually in the Brazil side. Fred, which Fred? The, the old? No, not United Fred. Other Fred is retired. Ah, He's along right, with Fridge right. is retired. Remember how much he was booed after <laughs> games in the World Cup? <laughs> Him going to that World Cup was like the South Africa World Cup when uh, Fabio Capello suddenly brought Heskey back. <laughs> like, what's this guy doing? Like, why is he here? Like, because for those that don't know, the South Africa World Cup, which was what twenty ten. Yeah. 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 Um, Fabio Capello decided that instead of taking Peter Crouch, he would call Heskey back out of international retirement. <laughs> <laughs> that's the weirdest thing. Uh, they do well. Terrible. That was the, uh, the Lampard <laughs> Phantom Goal World Cup. Ah, I think they wanted him for that goal. Germany. Yeah, we were. It was the last World Cup of the quote unquote golden generation. And uh, uh, yeah, it was terrible. That sucks. So, my next question is, is for both of us. And well, after you've yeah. seen how the tournament has gone so far. Who do you think wins now? Portugal. You're really sticking with Portugal? I'm backing them all the way. I'm backing, uh, I'm backing them all the way. Jeez. I will not be swayed. Oh, you're, oh, you're boring. Why am I boring? Why is it boring to... I made this call, like, coming up to two years ago. Look at I you. Portugal are going to win Euro 2020. Ended up being Euro 2021. <laughs> you think they beat Belgium? Yes. Uh. Because... Belgium never win anything. <laughs> I get that. But I think for, for Belgium, the time is now. Like, Doesn't matter. 
Right. I think the time is now because it's a, it's a very it's an it's one of the older squads in the competition remaining, and it's really being carried by the mercurial talents of Lukaku and Kevin De Bruyne, and I think Portugal may have a tough time holding on to them. You telling me? Yeah, you telling me you're gonna watch uh, this Portugal side keep up with the world champions in France and going up against Jan Vertonghen and Toby Alvarez is where you're not going to back them. <laughs> they're good defenders. <laughs> I mean, they're good, but I get what you're saying. You know what's funny? This is a really random point that just popped to my head. Any time, like, because Twitter had a bit of fun before the France game yesterday because it was like, oh, Pepe's going to have to mark Mbappe. <laughs> and I feel like every time that meme comes up, Mbappe always has a nightmare. <laughs> because that's what happened when United played PSG and we had to play uh, Twanzebe. It was like, oh, Twanzebe's coming in out of nowhere. He's going to have to mark Mbappe. And Mbappe was rubbish. <laughs> he hasn't had a good tournament. So and it seems, to always, it seems to always happen to Mbappe. But yeah, he's not having a very good tournament. Maybe he's too angry at Giroud. But, so you saying that, and you're still going to say that Vertonghen and Alderweireld will have a tough time guarding. Well, they don't have to mark Mbappe because Mbappe is not Portuguese. No, but they do have to guard Ronaldo. Yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo, is, he's been scoring for fun. Most of them are penalties, so. you still got to score him, dude. I guess so. If, if he missed them, they would have lost 2-0. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a discussion for another podcast but I feel like penalties you can't really win in that scenario because if you score them everyone says they don't count and if you miss them everyone has a go at you but I think context is important in terms of penalties well, well stop fouling people then if people kept let's say Kingsley Coman just got fouled loads and Lewandowski got like 12 penalties you would be there and be like, whoa, look at how great his penalty conversion rate is. I mean, yeah, I am I, a Bayern supporter. I love Lewandowski and I love the fact that one of his important roles is taking clinical penalties. Exactly. I get that. But I think context is very important in terms of how you get a penalty. You know? Of course it does. But if, like, with VAR about, there's no real question about it. Like, if it's, it's a fouler. If, oh, if oh, come it's not. on. It's not about the fact that if it's a foul or not, but if there is a proper hacking or there is, you know, a, a minute error. But let's say if Lewandowski's through on yeah. goal and the last guy comes in and just wipes him out and Lewandowski scores the penalty, he was, he was going to score anyway. Yeah, so, so that's fine. But on the other hand, if you have a case of a ball hitting a defender on the edge of the box barely hits his hand and it's a handball and a penalty then it's a different case then it's less egregious but that's more against the laws of the game not the person taking the penalty yeah it's not about the player but ultimately the rules are what they are and somewhere you have to I mean in terms of a greatness of a player or how how, how good a player is doing context matters in terms of penalties as well so. But in the Portugal game, the all three all three penalties because France got yeah. one as well. Yeah. They were penalties, and it was because the defenders were just <laughs> like that game got <laughs> dirty in the yeah. first half. Like France were actually trying to murder people. Yeah, I think <laughs> like that was a. I, I think France are really playing. 
they're playing frustrated. It almost feels like they're playing with a point to prove. And they're not playing like quite the regal, almost cerebral side I thought they would play like. Because it's it's France. They are the best. But they, they're playing with this aggression and it really feels kind of unlike France and this team. It feels really odd for some reason. I think they're just playing to their strengths, which is that they're trying to dominate the game. I guess so. Because they've got they've got quite a lot of quality on the pitch. Uh, obviously, they've got Kante, which complete, which frees up Pogba, and they've got players like Mbappe, and Mbappe plays that style at PSG. Like PSG always play that way. Like they're always kind of a dirty side that just kind of hack people down. So Mbappe's used to that. Like Griezmann hasn't had. He actually did have a good season at Barcelona, but yeah. still, this is probably more his style than that beautiful passing football that they try to play at Barcelona. Right. But I mean, look, France are there, there to be there to be had because the routes are very simple. You know where the ball's going, and again, it's like it's the exact discussion we had in Wales. You know the ball's going to, you know what they're going to do. Yeah. Kante's going to break up the play. They're going to get it to Pogba, and Pogba's going to try and spring someone forward. Yeah, true. Like, it's kind of quite simple football in a way, but it works. And if anything, but you look at the Portugal side as well, there was there's just as much quality on the pitch. Like, really, as as there was in the France side, that's kind of what been my point about Portugal this entire time. Is it's just like, well, look at that. Look at the midfield. Look at the attack. Uh, isn't it weird that João Felix can barely get on the pitch? I think it is also more playing time, in my opinion. Yeah, but that's just because you what you want me to be wrong about Portugal. <laughs> no, I, I I like Joao Felix. That's why I think he should play. But my question is uh, regarding international tournament. This might be a bit of an ignorant question, but these players they come from different countries. I mean, they play for different clubs in different nations, uh, different playing styles under different managers with different players. And ultimately, you have to come together and play like a cohesive unit. That seems like a tall task. And it seems like every team suffers with the consequences of that. And the consequences are the fact that they can't play to the best of their ability. And I think that's a bit of an issue. Well, you've got players that are coming in. All of them are playing very different playing styles. They've just Everyone's just come off of one of the longest seasons in human history. Um, but bringing it back to the point I made right at the start of the football, the side that quote-unquote plays the best football hardly ever wins. I'm going to put it back to Portugal, the last Euros. That's what they did, and that's what Ronaldo did. Remember in that final when he had to come off injured after, what, 20-odd minutes or something, and he was just there screaming at these players to win. And it was a stroke of luck that did it. So, yeah, you do have to be able to rally people together because... Everyone's knackered, like, but everyone wants to play for their badge. So you kind of just end up in a scenario where, yes, quality does matter, but it's also the people that are just going to go for it and have something But don't like you it. think that it's easier for a team like Portugal because they are so clearly built around Ronaldo? He is the mercurial star, and the team is built around him. It's not going to be built around someone like... Martino, is it like it's going to be better around Cristiano Ronaldo and it becomes easier for them well they're not because Ronaldo 
that he is the guy who's one of the best players in, in footballing history, but he also performs. And he's also... he Yeah, it, work, it works for him. And that's they've got more quality in the squad than they had five years ago. Do you feel like that's why England kind of don't fare as well because they don't have that one mercurial star you can build around? I think England don't. There's a lot of reasons why teams like why England don't succeed in the past it's been because they tried to to force things to work like the Lampard and Gerrard midfield um, there's been a lot of players there's been a lot of off the field issues as well with people not getting on there's been stupid managerial decisions um, and in, I'm talking about Fabio Capello there like no just the guy that obviously has a CV which is fantastic but he didn't work as England manager for for a a number of reasons and the, the Roy Hodgson didn't really pan out in the end because he kept making strange decisions as well with his team and he couldn't seem to motivate people mm-hmm. but now we've got somebody that can seem to motivate the players and and he doesn't force like people into the side when they're generally not playing well he's actually gonna drop people but there's also just a lot of young quality players in the England side so they should succeed, and they are playing okay. But if if they don't succeed this time, I don't know. I don't know what it will be. Like I'm sure people will probably just blame Gareth or they'll blame Harry Kane. They'll have their scapegoats. But I think everything's in place for a deep run. But in the past, it's mostly it's just been poor decision making, and it's not always been on the pitch. Fair, and I think as you said. I think a team needs an amalgamation of a few factors. It needs to have a mercurial star. It needs to have a good backing cast. And it needs to have that star delivered day in, day out. And when all those things work together, that's when you have a championship winning side. And when I look at Kane, do you think he screams out this mercurial star to you that that you can really build around? I don't think Harry Kane... No one in English in an English shirt played well against against Scotland, but uh, in the first game against Croatia and in the game against Czech Republic, I don't think Harry Kane played that badly. Like in the first game, he did look very tired towards the end. He got taken off, um, but he is dropping deep and making things happen. And if anything, sides have been too focused on stopping Harry Kane that like Raheem Sterling is having a really good tournament. Like he he's come in there. I saw some stat the other day. He's actually got like fourteen goals in nineteen England games now. Oh. And so he's 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 playing really well. And because people are focusing so much on on Harry Kane, and he did have chances uh, against the Czech Republic. He didn't put him in the back of net. There was one which was a fantastic save from the goalkeeper when Kane got through one on one. But it's actually opened up space for guys like Jack Grealish, who played very well, mm-hmm. uh, Saka, who came to the side and had a great, and had a great time as well. I think when you're looking further back, I think Luke Shaw, against the the Czech Republic, had a very very good game as well, and was kind of in, was really getting into a lot of very good attacking positions, right. because people are so focused on Harry Kane, and Harry Kane, he's he's had three bad games in an English shirt really, uh, but he's still a world-class striker for sure and he will he will start against germany and he he will score goals you can't use that thing where form is temporary class is kind of permanent so he's gonna make things happen if we get 
if we get him in those positions and we get the balls into him, he's not going to miss. Right. So, uh, so he 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 will start. I'm not. He shouldn't be dropped. Definitely not. Uh, but he but he also doesn't have to be the only thing England have going. Uh, going for them because there is so much quality in and around him. No matter who he puts on the pitch, like got play that Jaden Sancho, who people are very angry about, hasn't got on the pitch at the minute. Uh, Marcus Rashford is barely getting a kick at the minute. You've got players that have had really good seasons, like Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who uh, hasn't even put a shirt, the English shirt on yet. Um, so there's there's so much that so much outside of Harry Kane as well that means that this should be should be a great tournament for England. It probably won't be. History says it won't. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, and then. This, I could just name the entire squad and say why they could bring something to the team. I won't, but uh, look, we'll probably get knocked out on penalties. <laughs> Fair. So let's get on to the final segment of this podcast. I want to do a bit of word associations. I'm going to name a few teams, and you just give me the first word or first okay. phrase that comes to your mind when I say the team. So, Belgium. Uh, round of 16. I say last chance. Portugal. Winners. Jeez. You're going to stick with that? I'd say flimsy. That's that's the word that comes to my mind. Um, Italy. Meh. Jeez, really? I think they've been good. I'd say semi-finalists. So that's that's the term that comes to my mind. Um... Austria. Plucky. Good job. I'd say a bit stifling. Alright, so France. Losers. Wow, look at you. I'd say I'll say sleeping giants. They're the world champions. (laughs) Yes, exactly, but they haven't been great so far, so they're Sleeping giants, and hopefully they'll wake up. I could losers, and I think I've been harsh. Yeah. Okay, so Switzerland. Um, I would say dangerous. Ooh, I like that. Good point. They're a good side. For Switzerland, I would use the term you you used earlier. I would say plucky. I think they're quite a plucky side. So Croatia. I was gonna say dangerous again. Uh, I won't. They're a good side. I'm just going to say moderate. I would kind of say one-dimensional. Spain. They could very well cause a big upset this tournament. Yeah, I agree. For Spain, I would say relentless. Overwhelming, almost. Overwhelming. I think... There's a lot of pressing in that side. There's a lot of pace. Yeah. I think they really... They suffocate their opponents. And leave them with like no space, and, and, and that's pretty cool. So, and for such a young experimental side, I think that's very cool. So, I would say overwhelming and almost like suffocating. I'd say Sweden. Unexpected. Ooh, I like that. Unexpected. I would say, I'd say the opposite. Multi-dimensional. It's it's very basic football. Like they're playing just a four-four-two. And they're playing very wide, and and they're using what they got. They they they're not just 
the Zlatan side that don't have Zlatan. There's, there's more to this Sweden side. Yeah, I agree. I think they're a great side. Ukraine. I don't really have anything to say about Ukraine. I was going to just say Yarmolenko, question mark. It's had a great tournament. <laughs> Finally, I'm going to have going to have to ask England hmm tricky I don't think you really know what you're going to get from England yeah uh, at, at the moment there's very solid defensively attack a little bit blunt but so much quality there that that could flip on you're, you're expecting it to flick on at any moment so I'm just going to call them tricky fair I'm going to go with too many cooks, I think. I don't think they feel homogenous enough yet. So I think they need to. I don't think they feel like a cohesive unit. Germany. Not yet. There's, there's a lot of quality in that side. There's a lot of very good players, but it's not, it's, it's not ready yet. I'd say stubborn, I think. Joachim Le is not quite as willing to make the changes to the squad when necessary. So, yeah, I'll say stubborn. Netherlands is next. Hmm. I'm going to call them blunt. Hmm. Fair. I'm going to go with controlled chaos because I think at times you'd see the side be quite wild and all over the place but there's a method to their madness and I appreciate that Czech Republic Czech. Mm, average oh, that's harsh I'm going to call them average Fair. Um, for Czech Republic I would say unshakable in terms of their confidence and attitude because yeah, they're not supposed to be here, but they're playing quite well, so. Wales. Pacey. Mm -hmm. Very, very, they're very organized. There's a lot of spirit in that side as well. And there's just so much pace on the counter-attack. For them, for Wales, I would say surprisingly prepared. Yeah. They they do. They're they're a good side. I don't think they're gonna. I don't, no, I don't think they're gonna get anywhere near winning winning the thing. But I think Denmark need to be need to be wary, and they will be. But it's it's just so quick, and Gareth Bale is absolutely on one. Denmark. Spirited. Fair. Yeah, makes sense. They've been they've been through the ringer in this tournament, and to to get through in the way they did was incredibly inspiring mm -hmm. there's a lot of spirit behind that side as well which can absolutely add to the way that you play uh, if you channel it right and uh, I mean even without Christian Eriksen to get down to a footballing uh, side of things even without him there is still some quality in that side so they're, they're not just to be written off because they don't have their star man yeah, uh, yeah. there's still some good players in there and that's going to be a good game I know it doesn't sound like it when you say oh Wales against Denmark you probably think a bit Meh, if you're not um, if you're not kind of into into the, the if you don't know a lot about the sides but it's going to be a good game 100% I think it's going to be a quite a passionate game and I think that's my word for uh, Denmark yeah you know it's two sides that really want it that want to prove some people wrong uh, to show that they do they do belong in the latter stages of a tournament for Wales that's again um, because they got there last time and a lot of people call that a fluke 
but it's going to be two very spirited sides kind of getting down to it and it's going to be they're going to be attacking as well I don't think this isn't going to be a cagey game because yeah. I just don't think Wales can play that way yeah it's going to be both teams coming at each other and whoever is willing to take the step back and I don't think either team are going to take that step back uh, thank you for joining me Nathan you can go plug yourself yeah, you can find me at Nathan Gridaway on Twitter if you want to agree with me that Portugal are going to win the thing. Uh, you can find other podcasts at Rogue underscore Opinion. Uh, or if you can hear me talk about Football Weekly on Project Dits, it's at Project D-I-T-S on Plus Added Time. We'll be back this weekend with another episode of that. But otherwise, Rahul, thank you very much. You are welcome. You can check us out on Twitter at tc 9 Podcast. You can also check out our website, theconventional9.com, for articles on basketball, football, MMA, movies what have you you can check our youtube page out at the conventional nine for videos on basketball football movies i'll be uploading that soon and you can check us out on podcasts wherever you get them itunes spotify google podcasts wherever so yeah thank you nathan for joining me anytime thank you for tuning in i'll be back soon Bye. bye